What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and I was joined today by a very special guest. I had Kate Lyman on the show with me to talk all about macros. Yes, the Mind Over Macros podcast has to have a steady dose of macro conversation, but this may be the perspective that you need to hear because we talked all about how to use macros sustainably or how to know if you are abusing macros. So this is perfect if you are questioning whether macros are the right solution for you. If you think they are, you will gain a ton of information here. And also, if you think that they are not, you will gain a lot of value from this conversation. So we covered just you know sustainable practices, what we hope to see when it comes to tracking macros in terms of how to utilize this for the most sustainable solution possible, or how to know if macros are creating too much stress or obsessive tendencies. So that's it. That was the conversation. Um, but I want you guys to, to listen and learn and let me know if you enjoy the episode. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Anytime anyone shares the podcast with a friend, family member, anyone that's following you on Instagram, the best thing to do is to take a screenshot and post it to your stories. So as you're listening, you just hit pause, take a screenshot, go over to your stories, post the screenshot, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and you can tag Kate at KL Nutrition. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, I am joined today by a special guest. Kate Lyman has been kind enough to join me from her new location in Mexico. Thanks for thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, you know, seeing some of your content, I realized that we have a lot of things in common. So I've been excited for this chat just to talk about sustainable behavior change and, you know, kind of giving the audience a perspective of macros, how they should be used. Is it something that is a lifelong approach or is it a means to an end? Um, and then we can get into some stuff about talking about maintenance. How do you know if your body is ready to go into a fat loss cycle or do you need to spend some time restoring homeostasis? But before we get into all of that exciting stuff, I want to give you the opportunity to share your story. Like I always love to hear the the how and the why. Like how did you get into this in the first place? Um, how did you, you know, when did fitness or nutrition become your passion? What was just the whole backstory? Yeah. So it's been like a very windy road to get here. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like so many of us working in the fitness industry are in the same boat where like, we didn't necessarily think we'd be here as coaches or working online or anything like that. But um, I started working in fitness actually in high school. I was 17 and my parents got me the uh, CrossFit L1 cert like for my 18th birthday. So I got certified as a CrossFit instructor and that's what like paid for my college essentially. Like all the way through college, I coached CrossFit. It's where I met my husband. Um, and then I was in school for exercise science and this whole time thinking like fitness is just like this nice, fun way to make money. Like I want to go to physician assistant school. Like I always thought I was going to be in the medical field. It was like a dream since fifth grade. Like I want to work in health, but to me that meant healthcare. Um, 
So yeah, taking like nutrition courses, getting really into it, loving exercise science and and the study of exercise physiology and all of this good stuff. But I always had this intention to go to PA school. I was halfway through applications and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. It like hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, I think I want to work in prevention. Um, And so I like, you know, scrapped my applications and I applied for a program in public health and I got my master's degree in public health and um, nutrition had been an interest at the time. And at the same time, I was learning more about nutrition, both through self-study and in school, I was going through my own kind of nutrition journey. And similar to you, I came from a background of extreme chronic dieting, like constant yo-yo dieting. And the good and the bad was like, I was able to find a way out of that at a young age at like about 20 years old. I started working with my first coach and we started tracking macros and it was this huge, like revolutionary approach to me coming out of trying to be vegetarian, keto, paleo, all the things. Um, The sad part is that like I was only 20 and I had been dieting for years and years and I had been scared of carbs for years and years and I had been restricting myself on the week and binging all the weekend for years and years. And so it was kind of this like parallel path of my education being geared towards nutrition and fitness and health and, um, and my own personal experience that gave me this interest in nutrition. And so I kind of started dabbling in hosting little nutrition seminars at the gym. And then that turned into some coaching on the side, but, you know, like not charging anyone and just doing it for fun. And as I was in my master's of public health program, I was studying behavior change theory. And that kind of added this other dimension of like individualized coaching and behavior change that made me so interested in pursuing coaching. Um, and, but it was totally like a side gig. I was like in school and then I was like, you know, public health is cool. Prevention is cool, but like, I want to make an even bigger impact. So I applied for, um, a doctoral program and then started my PhD thinking I'm going to be a researcher or I'm going to be a professor and like, you know, bigger is better, more is better. And I like need to keep my story shorter, but I moved to Memphis, Tennessee to start this doctoral program. I was totally miserable. It was not a good fit for me at all. Um, I was working in essentially public health and nutrition, but not really liking the area I was in. And I came to this point where I was like totally drowning in schoolwork and the, these clients I had, um, I had like built up Kate Lyman nutrition at that point, like had a website, had paying clients and stuff. And I had to choose between the two. And it seemed like it would have been obvious because I loved the coaching and hated school, but it, um, it was a really hard decision. Cause it felt like giving up on like, you know, the title of doctor and like being someone like big and fancy smancy with a degree and stuff. Um, but obviously chose coaching. And so, um, you know, kind of like took the leap and gave myself like a few months to say, Hey, if I can make this a full-time career, I'm going to do it. If not, like I have this public health experience and I know I can hopefully find a job doing something else and do this on the side still. And so that was about, that was in 2017. So I've been full-time with KLN since then. And, um, I can look back at my coaching then and my own experience with nutrition then and see how much it has changed 
compared to now and how good those changes have been. Um, like I've grown and expanded. I have a team of five incredible coaches. They're so intelligent and qualified and we work so well together as a team uh, working with our clients, but they bring different knowledge and experience and depth to our coaching uh, practices and everything. And, um, and my relationship with food and my experience with nutrition and different seasons of life and seasons of nutrition has definitely informed my coaching as well. So that kind of brings us here to today. Like I live in Mexico. I have pursued like a little more flexible lifestyle. My training looks different. My nutrition is so lax. Um, and my entire focus is on this incredible client base we have and coaching them into helping them find sustainable ways to manage their nutrition that help them get out of that dieting mindset, help them get out of that restrict and binge cycle and help them um, really understand that our nutrition can be sustainable and that it doesn't have to be miserable in order to be successful. Yeah. I I love that. There's so many things about your story that resonate with me, um, especially the fact that you kind of chose the kind of the less, I guess, check the box type of path where um, I know I got caught up in that thinking, well, you know, it's go to school, graduate, get a, you know, steady job, you know, whatever, climb the corporate ladder. And, and it just didn't fit my personality at all. And I, you know, I thought I was going to be that person that was just like, you know, doing all the things, checking the boxes. And now here we are many years later and it's been anything but um, standard or what you would consider typical. But I'm curious when I, when I hear your, your story, Right from the beginning, one of the things that that stood out to me is getting started in CrossFit so young and so early and having the kind of like chronic dieters mindset. So I'm wondering if you feel like CrossFit kind of exacerbated some of those issues because I typically see one of two things, either CrossFit gives people the like the permission or um, I guess the awareness of, hey, I need to fuel my body. This is a very uh, demanding sport. It is, you know, you need athleticism, you need strength, it's you know high intensity, and so I need to fuel appropriately. But then on the flip side, you've got um, a lot of information around CrossFit athletes who should be paleo and should be eliminating carbs and, and like even CrossFit and keto, which is like the worst match ever, but somehow it became a thing. So I feel like there's you know two sides of the coin. I'm curious what your experience was with just CrossFit and how that either helped you get out of the dieter's mindset or kind of put you deeper into it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit of both. So I like, I think a lot of my initial dieting mindset was more from my family, more from the the women around me, you know, more from friends being like, well, we're 15, like time to start cutting carbs or, you know, things like that. When I started CrossFit, this is 2011, 2010, 2011. So it was like, hardcore paleo, right? Like that's how you ate. And so my mom introduced me to CrossFit and she was like, you know, like, this is what we do now. It's paleo, whatever. Um, and so that was definitely like, I wouldn't have known about paleo probably without being in CrossFit. It, it, I feel like the, the gym I started at and the coaches I first had, like had the intention of helping people fuel themselves. And they weren't like in that restrictive, um, type of like, coaching and teaching um, was when I got to college that I 
was exposed to more of the dieting mindset more than CrossFit. And it was like, now keto's the thing. And um, I was a vegetarian at this time. I'd have been a vegetarian for 11 years. And I came to this point, I was about 20. And I was like, I have been really trying to get better at CrossFit for like a few years now. And like, sure, I'm getting better, but I cannot get any stronger. Like I am so hungry. I am dying. And like, why the hell am I not getting any better at this? And that was like this light bulb moment of needing to fuel more. Um, specifically, like I, you know, I had been a vegetarian for so long. I was probably eating like less than 50 grams of protein a day. And I had this awareness, like from school, from talking to coaches, from learning about nutrition that like, oh, I think I need more protein. And so it was both. It was like this introduction to some dieting from CrossFit, but I think it was more um, cultural, like just being a female in a space with other females surrounded by diet culture that pushed me into that dieter's mindset. And it was eventually CrossFit that was like, hey, if I want to get better at performance, I need to eat for it. That brought me out of that. Um, And it was, you know, seeing this is like an early, early Instagram, seeing people fuel more and then get better at training and being like, Oh, light bulb. Like maybe I could eat some more and feel a little better, you know? Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's kind of the experience for a lot of people, especially in the CrossFit world where initially they may notice some body comp changes, especially if it's, if they're new, they kind of get those newbie gains, like their body's going to respond to anything. And it's just the the calorie restriction. They're, they're kind of losing weight and feeling good about themselves. Uh, then all of a sudden those initial adaptations wear off. And now you're sending this, this kind of signal of an abundance of stress on the system and not allowing for proper recovery. It's really difficult to recover from such a demanding sport when you're not fueling appropriately and you're trying to, you know, limit yourself to 1200 calories a day or restricting carbs and all of these things that just end up making it really challenging. I feel like that's where after like the initial period of progress, they kind of hit that wall and they experience, you know, they're, they're not recovering well, their energy starts to suffer, their body comp's not changing, they're not getting stronger, they're not getting better at CrossFit, which is why most people, you know, gravitate to that sport. It's like, let's, I want to do this so I can get better at it. Um, so you talked about the light bulb moment of, okay, maybe I, I do need to be fueling uh, versus restricting. Tell me some other, you know, light bulb moments that you've had or kind of paradigm shattering moments, especially as you got into more of the behavior change research and just going from somebody who was more of a chronic dieter to, okay, you know, let's look more at sustainability and how behavior change even happens. What were some of those moments that you can remember along the way that you were like, okay, this, maybe I've been kind of approaching this from, from the wrong direction. Yeah. So for me, when I started tracking my macros, um, it was the awareness of my intake that was like the biggest light bulb mind-blowing moment um, or realization for me and still is why I think track macros is such a valuable approach. So this is not a joke. Like this is actually real. When I start, so when I hired my first coach, it was just like a set of macro targets and it was $50 and it felt like so much at the time, you know, I'm like a poor college student. And at the time I was a vegetarian who was trying to do keto and eating like mostly paleo foods. And I know keto and paleo have a big crossover, but like also as a vegetarian, 
I don't even remember what the hell I was eating, like handfuls on handfuls of nuts, like some sweet potatoes, like making those little like, um, you know, at home RX bar type date almond nut butter things, like a lot of cashews, some berries, and um, sometimes I would eat fish. So in my mind, I'm like, more is better. More diets are better than one diet. And so like more restrictions better than, um, you know, eating all the things. And so when I started tracking my macros, the, the feedback that I was eating astronomically high amounts of fat, literally no protein and way higher carbs than I even thought because sweet potatoes are a carb, fruit and vegetables are a carb. It's not a bad thing. It's just like, I didn't even recognize that really at the time. Like that awareness was enough for me to be like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? You know, like to kind of, it was like someone grabbing me by the shoulders and shaking me and being like, do you see why you're an idiot? (laughs) Like, do you see why this hasn't worked for you? Um, And then, you know, from there going on to feeling myself better and then feeling so good in the gym, out of the gym, in sleep, in recovery, in lower stress, in and dramatic body composition changes while eating what felt like more, but wasn't more because I was eliminating those binging weekends and stuff like recognizing that I remember telling my now husband, but boyfriend at the time, like, I didn't know I could feel this good. This is incredible. Like people can feel this great and like not hungry all the time and not so tired and not like they're waking up in the middle of the night wanting to eat and not like they're totally dragging in every workout. Like the, the, the change was so dramatic for me um, that I think it was so integral in helping me want other people to experience that knowing it's not going to be on the same level because not everyone comes into tracking macros or or addressing their nutrition from this idiotic vegetarian keto standpoint, but, but they come from similar situations. And so recognizing the the value of bringing awareness to our intake and the composition of our food and recognizing that fueling well can be so transformative in how you feel in all facets of life and health. Those are like the big deals. And those are what we often overlook we meaning diet culture, we meaning those wanting quick changes. Those are things we often overlook in favor of like the bright, shiny, new quick fix type deals. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that macros as a tool to create awareness, it is, you know, like you, you said it perfectly. It's just like, we don't know what we don't know. So all of a sudden we start tracking and we gain awareness around our intake and you know, the, the composition of our meals and starting to gain awareness around food labels and what's actually being, you know, put into our bodies. I think that, uh, and, and I've mentioned this a number of times on the show, but I think that it's something that everybody should do for at least 30 days out of their life. If that's it, like just to create some awareness, even if it's only for 30 days, if you think about, uh, hopefully you have many, many, many years of life and, 30 days is nothing. Um, the, the knowledge that you will acquire from that experience is worth it. Um, how do you kind of go from that to the sustainability side of things with individuals who might find like that, that tracking macros can be obsessive or it creates stress or they start thinking about food all the time and uh, they kind of over rotate on the numbers. Like I can't go over 
my macros. I have to hit them to the gram every single day of my life. And that feels overwhelming. How do we kind of blend the positive side of the awareness with making sure that it's sustainable and just like any tool, it can be used or abused. So how do we make sure that we're using it and not abusing it? I think one so important aspect to remember is that tracking macros is a temporary tool. Like it's never, it's not something that's meant to be forever. Um, Specifically, when I start working with a client like this first week, I'm saying, hey, here's your starting macro numbers. Here's why. Here's my recommendations on how to track. I have literally zero expectations for you to hit these numbers this week. It's probably not going to happen. That's totally okay. It's what's going to happen is you're going to realize, you know, bring some awareness to what your days look like, recognize where you might be more eating more of something that you didn't know that you weren't aware of, or where you might be under eating in areas that you weren't aware of. And we're just going to use this feedback to inform how we move forward. It's not about the numbers right now. Um, And I think part of navigating tracking macros as a short-term tool is recognizing that some people like want that rigidity in the beginning and they need to move towards more flexibility. Some people need that full flexibility in the beginning and they need to move towards a little more structure. So we have to meet them where they're at. But when it comes to getting um, or having conversation with a client who's like maybe feeling obsessive or maybe missing the point, um, I think an important conversation to have is like, hey, let's take a step back and look at why we track our macros. It is not so that we weigh and put our food weight into a phone app every day. Like that has not, that's not why we do this. We do this to gain awareness of our food, uh, of our eating behaviors, gain awareness of the composition of the foods we're eating, become more informed consumers, um, understand if we're eating the right amount for our specific goals, like be able to recognize what adequate protein looks like for us recognize some eating patterns that we have that are helpful or um, are hurting us, you know, like for some individuals who go all day without eating and then, you know, go ham at night. Like we're recognizing those patterns that might not be helpful. Um, We're understanding the difference between how we feel with like higher quality, high volume foods versus more uh, calorie dense processed foods. Like this is all for awareness. It's not about the tracking. So let's pinpoint what awareness you've gained, where we're still altering a little bit. And let's just work on those habits. And that might mean we don't track this week. We just work on those specific sticky points. You know, like I think as long as we are recognizing that this temporary tool, this temporary tool of tracking is used to form habits to help us change behaviors that are sustainable long-term then it can be really helpful and we don't view it as much with this like lens of obsession or the need to actually like weigh and track and do all these things. And, you know, I give my clients permission to not track when they don't want to, or like sometimes we'll work on like, Hey, here's how you would track this meal out. And sometimes going to say like, Hey, I don't want you to track that meal out. Let's just say, how, how do you now knowing what you know, go navigate this meal by making the best choice possible without like manually calculating calories and macros in your head and things like that. Cause that's not the point. The point is general awareness and long-term sustainable changes. Yeah. And what I think is so powerful about that is first of all, that everybody's different. You mentioned that some people 
like the the structure and the organization of it. And some people need to pull back a little bit. Some people are are more anxious and obsessive by nature, or they have these perfectionist tendencies, and we actually need a little bit more leniency and kind of zoom out and say, what are, why are we even doing this? What's the point? And you know, like you mentioned, creating the awareness. What are the behavioral patterns, the tendencies? It's all insight into making more informed decisions. So we can make choices that align with, hey, I'm doing this because of how it makes me feel, not because I think that there's some magic in this number, but more so it's the information that we've accumulated over time. Uh, now I can start to make decisions without the numbers to what makes me feel my best. And it's kind of a, a temporary tool that ultimately informs us and gives us kind of control back of, hey, I know that I'm doing this for me uh, because of how it makes me feel, uh, you know, what my body responds to, my own individual needs. Um, so when you are kind of dealing with an individual who may be coming from more of a, you know, chronic dieting background, and we start to notice, you mentioned some of the undereating tendencies that they may not have been aware of, or they come in wanting fat loss and like, hey, I've been trying to lose this weight for so long and nothing's been working. And, you know, they start tracking macros and still just not seeing the response that they want. Uh, what are some of the indicators that, you know, we're just dealing with a situation where a reverse diet might be necessary, getting calories back up to maintenance and restoring homeostasis? Like kind of what, what do you look for um, to determine if somebody is like, quote unquote, ready to lose fat? Yeah, well, when, when getting a client started, like we are looking at so many factors beyond like those few things you could put into a macro calculator, right? Like you can put your weight, height, age, and number of workouts per week, but there's so much more relevant information there. Um, like what your lifestyle looks like, meat and movement outside of workouts, um, like your food preferences and eating preferences, and most importantly, your dieting history. Because when a client comes to me and I can tell from this, like from their initial questionnaire, they've been dieting forever. You know, sometimes that's years, sometimes that's decades. Um, we're going to start with that conversation of like, hey, we have seasons in our nutrition. Some of those are fat loss. And when we want to go into a fat loss phase, we want to like make sure it is successful and as easy as possible and that you can maintain that those changes. But we have to set ourselves up to do that um, by eating enough first. And so, you know, some people are really receptive to that idea, that idea. They've heard about reverse dieting. They can acknowledge that they have been dieting or under eating for too long. And some people are really, really hesitant to eat more. And it's really fair because, you know, sometimes we've been just told eat less, eat less, eat less. Um, but I think when we're able to remind this client, like, Hey, how long have you been spinning your wheels? How long have you been feeling like you're working so hard and nothing's happening? Do you think you could be receptive to let's start with four weeks of eating adequately and seeing how you feel so that when, again, like I just said, when we go into this fat loss phase, we can do so effectively and efficiently. Um, so that's kind of like a conversation we navigate on the front end of working with uh, with a new client. And I think there are some people who are ready to go right into a fat loss phase. That's usually not the majority of them, right? It depends on, we work with males and females. So I'm going to 
just generalize and say a lot of the dudes are more ready. If, if fat loss is their primary goal, they've been eating adequately, possibly in a surplus and are ready or more ready to go into a um, fat loss phase. And a lot more females have been um, stuck in this kind of chronic dieting cycle. And then when it comes to like during coaching, um, if we're in a fat loss phase, if we find that we're not seeing progress, um, maybe at the rate we want to see, I think some really, really strong indicators that it's time to to press pause and go back to maintenance or go through reverse is, you know, changes in negative changes in performance, energy recovery, um, and higher hunger levels, obviously. But then the big one is is um, lapses in adherence, and not meaning like, look, you didn't hit your macro target spot on, like bad on you. No, because that's I like I said, like that's never the goal. The goal is consistency over perfection and macro targets. But I'm talking like getting back into this, like, well, I kind of screwed up, so I or I like I had a cookie and I screwed up, so like screw it, I'm gonna you know eat the rest of the cookies all day. We see patterns of um, lapses in adherence that are a little more kind of like a binge or like that screw it mode or like um, informed by high levels of hunger and low levels of like adherence, feeling like they have to like will their way through change. I think those are really big uh, indicators that it's time to add in more food um, because that, you know, willpower should not be how we get our way to change. And then we go through that same conversation, like, Hey, this is setting you up. Like we've made some great progress. Now we're going to work on maintaining that progress. So you can see better progress in the future. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, especially with the lapses and adherence. Like you talked about, if it's kind of that all or nothing mindset and and one, you know, decision then kind of compounds into, you know, like you said, just that, that screw it mode, or I'm going to eat whatever, um, a lot of times people focus on what they consider to be the the lapse in judgment or I did something I wasn't supposed to, or I feel guilty because I ate this food and very rarely look at, well, what happened leading up to that? And I think oftentimes that's just kind of perpetuated by the way that the diet industry is marketed and the way that a lot of programs are set up with all of these rules and restrictive protocols and you have to be perfect. And then when you go off track, you feel like it was your fault versus looking at, you know, well, 1200 calories probably wasn't sustainable, definitely wasn't sustainable. And it led you to this point of intense hunger and cravings and always having to rely on willpower and you just reach your tipping point. It's human. So I think that your uh, approach of let's focus on the big picture. Why is that happening in the first place? It could be that we're, you know, just in a deficit, your body's responding a certain way. We're noticing some biofeedback markers that are off, like lack of energy and sleep disruption, lack of, you know, struggling in the gym, uh, you know, like you said, intense hunger cravings. So let's look at the big picture versus only focusing on what, you know, the quote unquote misstep, which I don't even view it as a misstep. I view that as, again, more information gathering. We can right. learn about patterns and, and what why that happened and then make better decisions moving forward. Um, so I, I completely agree with that approach. How do you move to the, like, you talked about it, like, right. There's this shiny new object syndrome, which is what I refer to it as in the, in the industry where it's like, well, you know, everywhere you turn, there's a post or a headline or whatever you're looking at of 
quick results. It's, you know, lose 30 pounds in six weeks or do this new fad diet and drop, you know, three pant sizes tomorrow. And there's this instant gratification mindset that gets developed over time through this like constant messaging. Uh, How do you help people see the big picture and play the long game of progress over perfection? I think it's really hard. (laughs) I think it's really hard to get buy-in from individuals who do want that change because I mean, you, you probably know what it feels like too. Like you're so desperate for that thing you want. Um, I already mentioned this a second ago, but part of that is having a conversation like, Hey, how long have you wanted this? Like years? What if we could in six months set you up for a really successful fat loss phase where you do get these end results, but it's a few months down the road instead of right this second where you continue to spin your wheels, you know, um, part of what, so I've been doing this coaching for five years now and my, my message has essentially stayed the same, you know, like flexible nutrition for long-term sustainable changes. But the way I have marketed uh, my coaching has changed at times and it's changed in the way that I found um, brings in the most committed clients who understand that that change, that long-term sustainable change might take more time. And, you know, I'll still get some, some pushback if we're talking more long game, you know, over like, I want to lose the 10 pounds right now. Um, but I, I've like, I've kind of made it clear up front. Like I want committed clients who know that I will get them to those results they want, but it might not be right now because we're not just going to look at the weight on the scale. We're going to look at your overall health, your eating habits, your and the longevity of these eating habits and how you can maintain that weight later. Because, okay, if you really want, like, sure, I can help you lose five pounds in two weeks. You're not going to eat and it's going to come back and be seven pounds the week after, you know, like, obviously I'd never do that, but that's just an example. Um, but I think it just has to be a conversation. And I really try to make it so that every client coach relationship is a, is a team relationship. You know, people don't want to just be told what to do. Some people are more analytical and they want to understand the why behind it. And they like the data and stuff. And some people just need more reassurance and more conversation. And there just has to be this understanding that like, I, as a coach, want your goals too. Like that, like your goals are my goals. I want to get you there, but I want to get you there in a better way. Um, And we can go through a a whole host of reasons why those past, those past attempts, those past past quick fixes haven't worked for them. And maybe they just need to see that. And I think that's one of the benefits of a coach is having this external accountability and this external view of your life to say like, Hey, that didn't work. You know, like, look, you, you worked really hard and I'm not um, devaluing the work or dismissing the work that you put in, but it didn't work because X, Y, Z. And now we know that because that didn't work, this will be better. You know, yeah. um, I still work with my own nutrition coach because I need someone looking at my life from outside my own viewpoint saying, Hey, that's not working for you. Or like, Hey, cut yourself a break or Hey, like, what are you doing? You know? Um, and I think that is partially where just having a coach comes into play, um, in helping us be more receptive to the, to, to playing the long game. Yeah. And the reality is we're so subjective when it comes to ourselves. That's just 
human nature. I always say it's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle, or I've heard it's hard to see the picture when you're inside the frame, whatever kind of phrase you want to use to define it. But it's the truth, you know, with, with somebody who is kind of an outsider, an objective set of eyes who can hold us accountable, who can see things that we probably aren't seeing in ourselves, or we're doing things that we, uh, you know, like I'm the same way. Personally, I have a coach because I will let myself get away with things that I would not, you know, think was appropriate for my clients. That's just the nature of the beast. So I know that I need that extra accountability and that objectiveness from somebody else who can say, look, you know, they can call me out on my own shit. So um, totally agree. And, and I think that setting the expectation, like you said, and drawing from past experiences of, hey, let's look at all of these attempts that you've had in the past. And if that was going to work, it probably would have worked by now. And are you open to trying something different that may feel a little bit uncomfortable at first? But if the objective here is sustainable results and not just temporary results, then maybe it's worth going down this path. Um, speaking of maintenance and sustainability, you know, really that is the key factor. Uh, we don't really have a weight loss problem. Most people who attempt to lose weight will be successful. The issue is most will gain it back and sometimes plus interest. Um, speaking to sustainability, speaking to maintenance, how do you kind of, once you've accomplished whatever the physical goals are and uh, have developed, you know, help your clients develop a better relationship with food, what's the maintenance plan? You know, where do you go from there? Whether it's kind of pivoting you know, and, and kind of slowly moving away from macros or uh, what's kind of your philosophy in making sure that those results actually last? It's, it's uh, like everything. I mean, like what annoying answer, but it's so individualized to the person. But I think one message I really try to get across is that like a majority of our life should be spent in maintenance, right? That's where we feel best. That's where we're, uh, performing best. I mean, maybe not, maybe like we're performing better in a surplus, but in general, that's where we're doing our best. Um, and that's where we can like enjoy the fruit of our labors. And so it depends on the client because sometimes I will, we will like take a look at the next six months together and kind of map out a, a very flexible tentative plan for what that will look like. And when will we focus on fat loss and when will we focus on maintenance and things like that? Um, I know I, I like can get, you know, you can get the the idea the clients are more receptive to like that long-term more analytical approach. And with others, it's just um, continuing to reassure them that the goal is them maintaining process or progress. And they can do that with like minimal fat gain and while feeling really good. And a lot of times I think for, for those who are um, so combative against the idea of eating more, we need to, rem they need to remember like how miserable they felt in the past and how much better they feel now and really be able to pick out those like non-scale victories in energy performance, in recovery, in relationship with food, in elimination of food fear and of, of more food freedom and things like that. Um, and then they kind of see, you know, slowly, but surely see the value of that maintenance plan essentially. Um, for some clients, like I'm, I'm saying, you know, you, you know what to do. Like we, we've worked together so that you understand what, what to do in a fat loss phase. So you can move forward on your own. So you're not off to the next coach or the next program. Like, because we're looking at this long-term plan, like you are so confident and capable. You can do this on your own. And it's just like another 
way of reassuring them that like, they've got this, you know? Um, but a lot of it is just taking the fear away from that idea that maintenance is a bad thing because it's not. Um, and, and reminding them that like, when we adhere to these seasons of nutrition, we are more effective, more, um, efficient and feel better. And like, who doesn't want those things, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And I love that you started with the fact that everyone's different and what works for one person may not work for another. I always like to say, you know, we're all kind of, or should be more like metabolic detectives versus just metabolic followers. In other words, oh, this worked for my friend. So I'm just going to follow that plan versus let me use this information. Like we've been talking about this whole time to inform how I should move forward. What makes me feel my best. And that goes for maintenance too. For some people, uh, they prefer more of a social life and want to drink a little more frequently and have some flexibility for other people. They like to incorporate macros into the more lifestyle approach, even if it's loosely. So it all depends on the individual and their mindset. But you mentioned something very important, which I say all the time, we should be not dieting way more than we're dieting. The objective when it comes to losing fat, which is a stressor, uh, it does require sacrifice. It does require a little bit more diligence. We should be making this a short-term, let's get in and get out and then get back to uh, maintenance as quick as possible and as efficiently as possible. So we're not just ripping the Band-Aid off. But ultimately, like you said, it should be about, you know that's where we live. That's where we feel our best. That's where we have the most flexibility, overall well-being. And those things are very important when it comes to health. Uh, sometimes maintenance gets a bad reputation because it's like, well, there's nothing that's actually happening. Uh, sometimes it just requires shifting the perspective of, well, there actually is a lot of things happening. You're enjoying more things. You can have more flexibility. You can perform better. Maybe you're getting stronger in the gym. There, there can be millions of different wins that we focus on outside of just is the scale going down. So yeah, and I, I think that's where we get to evaluate tracking as a temporary tool too. Like, you know, some people when we're moving into maintenance, we're saying, Hey, like, I'm going to say like, Hey, um, let's start with you tracking until dinner every day. And then, you know, taking an untracked dinner informed by the decisions you've made early in the day. Let's get some feedback. Let's talk about it. Like write down some notes and see how you feel. Um, some people are ready to be like, yeah, I don't think I need to track anymore. Like I pretty much have it down and know what I'm eating during the day. Like it just depends on that person's um, dependency to tracking or how much they value it. Or if they're feeling burnt out, we're going to, we're going to move away from tracking earlier. Some people, and I kind of fall into this camp, like it is second nature to me. It does not feel hard. It does not feel oppressive. Um, to me, it feels like I function better when loosely tracking because I'm making sure I'm eating more throughout the day instead of like getting so caught up in my work and then like being a little gremlin at night and like eating way too much, you know, like that's my tendency. And and tracking has given me awareness of, of that, of that, that it's easy for me to slip into that habit. So to me, lose tracking is is helpful in ma- in a maintenance period, but then I also am so capable of going a week, a day, a month without it, knowing I'm I'm eating relatively the same amount. So, like, I think like everything, it's individual, but letting people know, like, hey, use this as you want, but know that it's not needed. 
if it feels super necessary, let's figure out what about tracking feels necessary to you. Like where, where is there a disconnect between you trusting yourself to eat on your own? Or where are you finding that like you don't fuel yourself enough? Like you, you are without tracking, you're more prone to undereating or overeating. Let's figure out like why you have this dependency on tracking and let's work on that thing we can still track right now, but let's work on that barrier to, to not tracking because that's, that's the real issue here, right? It's not like the app of tracking. Exactly. It's there, there's some sort of root issue that needs to be addressed that has nothing to do. It's more of what the numbers represent or the control or the perception of, if I don't have this tool, then I'm going to gain a bunch of weight or whatever stories, uh, internal dialogue is happening. But to your point, it's being able to notice those things and then assess what's the actual root of the issue. Um, so, you know, I, I love that everything circles back to it all depends on the individual. Everyone is different. We have to find the best path for us. And, and that's why it's such an important conversation to have. Um, I really appreciate you bringing your knowledge and expertise to the show. I know this is going to help a lot of people because probably one of the most common questions I get asked is, around macros and it's, should I track? Should I not track? What if I'm too obsessive? What if I am not good at tracking macros? Like all these different questions. So um, hopefully this will be, I know this will be super valuable. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to let everybody know how they can stay connected with you, where you hang out, where they can follow you, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I hang out a lot on Instagram. My handle is at KL Nutrition. So you can go find me over there. Send me questions. I, if it wasn't obvious enough from this podcast, like I love talking about nutrition. I will answer any questions anyone has. Um, and I love it. And I try to use it as a space just really to put out free content um, related to nutrition education as much as I can. My website is katelymannutrition.com. Um, and if you head to the resources tab, I also try to put out a lot of free resources that can be helpful whether you're tracking or not, whether you have a nutrition coach or not. Um, you know, my job is a nutrition coach and I try to provide the best coaching I can to my clients, but I also want to make, um, you know, basic nutrition education really accessible to others who may not be in a position to work with a coach or may not want to. So I have, you know, blogs and freebies over there that I hope are helpful. Awesome. I will put all of your links in the show notes and everybody go follow Kate on Instagram. Highly recommend it. And thank you so much for joining me. And I'm sure we will be in touch very soon.